0: Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com Brewers, it's time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Chef and John Palmer, this is Brew Strong.
1: Howdy, hey my brewing brothers and sisters, greetings, greetings. Another fine day in the studios of the like Hop Grenade mm-hmm. Brewing Network, lovely Concord, California. Yes, we are we are moments away, indeed. Well, many moments, hours away from uh, Winterfest. Winter, yeah, that's gonna be a blast. It will without snow. We'll both be there. <laughs> snow, yeah. I brought my snowboard. I mean, what the hell. Uh, you said Winterfest. I thought yeah. there would be, like, you know, some moguls, maybe some a little bit of a terrain
2: park. Justin's going to murder me for saying this, even though we're only 24 hours out and the weather <laughs> forecast is looking pretty pretty uh, set in stone at this point. Yeah. But we're looking at another, like, 70 and sunny uh, January day for Winterfest. Just the, the, yes. the fabulous wet weather luck continues. <laughs> well, this is California. I don't know if mm-hmm. you noticed that. Uh, did you grow up in California? Yeah, I did. Oh, Southern hey. California.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. so even worse. So the weather we're having up here is like freaking you out that it gets colder at night and uh it's not quite as hot during the day yeah exactly
2: like we're like I,
1: 10 degrees off it's instead of like 80 to 50 exactly it's going like 70, 70 to, to 40, 40. And right. you're, are you are you are you really, like, you uh, batting down the hatches, you've got, like, extra parkas? No, well, I was got gonna a fire say, going to say, I
2: have, uh, you know, when I wear flip-flops now, sometimes my toes <laughs> kind of get a little cold.
1: Oh, Jesus, yeah. That, that <laughs> could be frightening. It's, it's frustrating more than frightening. Right, right. Yes. <laughs> this is California. grew Tattoo, you're you're from one of the god, God-fearing god states where God hates you and, and makes, uh, makes you really cold and, and kills you with tornadoes and things like that, right?
2: God-forsaken state, you mean. Yes. yes. But you also get to own a house for like 90 grand. Yeah. Yeah, and, and until it that. blows away in the next hurricane yeah. or tornado. <laughs> it's cheap to rebuild. It. Or flood or, you know, uh,
1: the oil field erupts or, the you know, the fracking uh, causes a fire coming out of your, your pipes or whatever. No, Biggest earthquake in American history, Missouri. Really? There you yep. go. New yeah. Madrid fault. No
2: way. Yeah. How big was it?
1: big? Nine. I don't
3: know. Did a Nine. freeway overpass like fall down? Well, it was back if, it, before. if it
2: didn't, it wasn't big.
1: It probably scared a few horses back
2: then. <laughs> Altered the course of the Mississippi. But it's no mistake longer. that uh,
1: Missouri and miserable uh, you know, share so many leser- letters. Yep. I'm just saying. Missouri's
2: Latin for miserable? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. <laughs> oh, Missouri is a beautiful, beautiful place. In spots. Yes. A few. Like Kansas City. I love Kansas City. That's a great place. Have you That's ever been? Park. You've been. I
3: grew up in Independence,
1: yeah. right outside. Yeah. Any Any of you guys been to Kansas City? I may have. Yeah. It's a freaking awesome town. Incredible. Mm-hmm. If you like barbecue, barbecue. Oh, this one. No. This is the epicenter. I, I know the people in Texas will freak out, yeah. but you know this is the epicenter of great barbecue in the world. The entire world centers around this town and the barbecue joints in this place. Hmm. Incredible. You can quibble over. People who go, like, well, you know, uh, I like, like you know, uh, this versus North that. North Carolina
3: versus. No, Texas. no,
1: no. Mm-hmm. This restaurant versus that. Oh. And, the, you know, and, and other people go, oh, yeah, oh, you're talking shit. Uh, you know, that's horrible. States. Oh, my God. How could you like that? Well, I'll tell you. You take the worst barbecue out of Kansas City, compare it to anywhere else in the world, and it's like great frickin' barbecue. You would be like, you know, cutting your nut off to, to have some of that. It wouldn't that, that far. It's that's some damn fine barbecue though. You, you, anywhere you go, I mean, if you like craft beer and you like to sample craft beer at different places, sure, you would you would love to go and sample craft barbecue at all these different places you know it's 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 you know it's a craft barbecue tour Yeah, a little sample here and there you split split something with your friends you go place to place craft barbecue Um, sounds a little too hipster for barbecue yeah yeah yeah. it's barbecue yeah yeah yeah. right (laughs) but you know it's the same thing it's like quality you know done there and oh yeah it's just fantastic you you cannot eat enough And then it's a great walkable town, too, surprisingly, Uh, you know, great sports teams, great. And the people are very, very nice. It's it's you know, it's the epitome of that Midwest attitude of, hey, you know, you got pride in your thing. You work hard. You're you know, you're you know, you're just just nice people. Cool. I, I love that whole area. This this hmm. is what makes me love that whole Midwest area is that whole attitude. You know, that's that's cool. good people right there. Yeah. yeah.
2: Of course, there's that's a Boulevard the, Brewing out there. The too. heart
1: of America. Yeah, Boulevard. Hey, they got great breweries out there. Yeah, they sold out. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Well, you Your go time? out to uh, Lawrence, Kansas, mm-hmm. which isn't far away, and they've got uh, Free State. It? Yeah, Free State and. The other one out there, no free state. Yeah, uh, uh, flying monkey. No,
0: <laughs> that's your butt.
1: No, I, I've been out to Lawrence too. Uh, you know that all, that whole area. I tell you, that's that's good people. That's good food. They mm-hmm. know
2: good food. They know good beer. They know. they, yeah, they know the 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 whole thing. Mm-hmm. Good baseball they, team too, but they couldn't beat the Giants. Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I uh, tell you, at least the people who who cheer for the Royals aren't just, like, jumping on now, like all the giant.
2: Well, what do you want us fans. to do, jump on when they're
1: losing? <laughs> right. <laughs> and the, this is one of the things I love about a place like that. It's their team. And they'll, they'll cheer for them, win, lose, whatever. They may bitch and complain when they're doing horrible for 25 years, but they, you know... They're they're still filling the seats. They don't just like blow it off because you know they're going to go do something else. Speaking of jumping on a team, I was gonna, team jump. I, I was, was going to go with more of the the beautiful oh. Midwest thing, but oh, you know, the bitch and money part. Okay. No, the bitch, not the bitch and part. <laughs> oh, you ruined my whole segue into Blickman Engineering all right fine go Engineers. I'll, I'll just com.
3: pretend i didn't say anything
1: yeah yeah it's too late now you've ruined, it. you've ruined it you've hurt you've hurt my whole transition i get that a lot don't yes. worry you've caused me pain john oh no uh our good friend john blickman blickman engineer come there another midwest uh thing. Icon. And, yes, I, I'll, and i'll tell you, you you know again it's that midwest attitude of uh you know d- you know quality do you know help somebody Ten for you know, a be, dollar. Yeah. yeah be a you know be a a benefit rather than you know you know it's not just trying to you know, I tell you I love living out in California I love the the coasts there's a whole different attitude there but you know the attitude's more um you know working it mm-hmm. you know trying to jump ahead and be you know advantageous I think you know uh, I, Whereas it's, Midwest it's nicer, is where it's more like, well, here's value. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to give you the best value I can for your money. Yeah, and I'm going to do this day in and day out. That's what he does. I yes. love that. Mm-hmm. That's that. I think that that's the best way to live. But yeah, it's me. Um, yeah, everything else is fine. But and that's what Blickman Engineering is looking to. Looking to innovate your brew day, make it better, make it you make it more special, make it fun, make it you know where you can you can. Uh, utilize what they're what they're doing and they're going to try and do the yeah. best for you that they can at the best price they can. They're going to try and make it something where you look at it and you're like, wow, that's value. And it's,
3: you buy it once and then you use it for years. Until I mean, it's you not die. Something, and then you yeah. pass it on to your kids. Right. right. It's not one of these planned obsolescence kind of
1: things. It lasts forever. I can't imagine that John Blickman would ever make anything that would not last forever. That's true. He's that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Midwest kind of attitude. I love that guy. Anyways, uh, check him out. BlickmanEngineering.com. They're paying for the show, so you don't have to. So the least you can do is uh, say hi, hey, 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 Heidi To Jack. That's right. Okay. There you go. It's a little uh, Cab Calloway going on there for you, yeah. you. know. Yeah. Uh, so check him out. BlickmanEngineering.com. Blickman, two N's, a B. And There's a L. There's probably like a G or something yeah. in there. I don't know. Uh, check them out on the web today. All right, so we're we're talking about uh, uh, going pro Q and A today. Haven't done uh, any going pro stuff in a while, so uh, let's snap one off before we go for, go to a
2: break. Scott, here's a genome from Denver. That's a long one. He said uh, it is a. Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah, let's we'll, we'll get back to him. Here's a shorter one. This is uh, Jason, the founder of Strong Rope Brewery. He said uh, Strong Rope. Okay. What'd I say? Strong I've, rope. I've passed
1: strong a strong rope, rope before. Or, rope. <laughs> you know, you're, you, you shake back and forth, you kind of tighten up, you like, and it doesn't like, you know, drop. Have you ever passed a strong rope before?
2: Mm, That's what they call them, strong medium
1: rope. Medium strength, I guess. You don't want soft rope. Soft rope becomes a mess, and you're wiping, wiping, wiping. You can never clean that up. You gotta wash after that. Strong rope is better. But, you know, sometimes they they just won't snap off quite clean. You know, there's too much shaking going on until it drops.
2: (laughs) John's like, why did I agree to do this show again? (laughs) All right. Sorry. Uh, Poor poor Jason asks, uh, one thing I would love to hear is how the business (laughs) plan came together for a brewery. Uh, I'm working on one right now. And uh, while reading books and looking things up on the internet has helped, it would be great to get some first-hand info on how it was done and any pitfalls that make them into play when creating and sending it out to investors and banks and stuff. That's well, a good question. How did you present your idea a, to the bank? It's
1: that same brilliance uh, that is presented on this show that was used in, in uh, picture,
2: developing a Picture a four guys
3: plan. sitting around a table with lots of beer, scribbling on napkins, mm-hmm.
1: doing, doing poop jokes.
3: And who, yes.
2: and who agreed to – they did agree to give you a loan? <laughs> no
1: no no uh so here's here's the thing I would uh you know if you can't open a brewery on your own I don't know how many investors you want i would I would keep your investors tight and close to you people that don't need a business plan people that believe in you people that would just give you money because you have blackmail foes or their relatives or you know um. which blackmail like d'Angelo <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> in my case, uh, uh, one of my sisters contributed. You know, she's like, "Hey, you know, when I'm dead, you could have this money anyways, So here you go. And then uh, a guy who worked for me at uh, Mac Media and Adobe, he's like, "He's been after me. You know, if you ever want to open a brewery, I'll give you money." I'm like, oh, "All right." So that was it. And then our own savings. So keeping it tight and close because. Anytime you go into this whole thing where you're you know, soliciting funds from people outside your close circle, uh, you open yourself up to a lot of regulatory uh, issues. You have to have qualified investors, and qualified investors are people who have so much money they don't know what to do with it. There is a regulation on qualified investors. There's a, a definition of it, and you have to send people this whole thing about being a qualified investor. So there's close investors. There's the qualified investor. There's you got to be careful. So I would stick to people that you know, uh, you know intimately, and you can be close, and you can call them, you know, intimate relations, you know, friends, you know, relatives, things like that. Then it's okay if they invest, and then also. Uh, anybody that you're going to have invest, I would tell them, all right, so once you give me the money, you shut the fuck up, and uh, I will run everything. You don't want people telling you how to run your business. If you do, you're going to just drive yourself mad trying to please all these people. Not acceptable. I believe. You need to have one person in charge. And if everybody believes in that person in charge, they put the money behind that person in charge, and that person does it, If you don't have that person, then people shouldn't invest and uh, you shouldn't try and run any business by committee. I think that's a mistake.
2: So, if you had to get a bank loan to Open Heretic, you wouldn't have done it? I wouldn't have done it. I
1: think that's a mistake, too. Um, You know, go smaller. I hate the nano thing, but, uh, you know, look at uh, Device Brewing in Sacramento. Uh, Our good friend uh, Ken Anthony, they did it. You know, he collected up a little bit of money. You know, rented a small space, bought a small piece of uh, Blickman equipment, started with that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're insane. He worked his ass off. He goes, you're right. And we were insane. <laughs> so he bought bigger equipment. He's moving up. Now he's getting bigger equipment. He's he's making it happen. It is torturous. If you're young and strong, you can make it happen. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, but. But financially, it, it's working. yes. If he had gotten a big loan and done this other thing and had to, you know, either he'd be freaking out because of the bank all the time or, um, you know, he'd have people that are like, well, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Oh, you should brew this. Oh, you should brew that. Mm-hmm. Don't goddamn tell me what to brew. Don't yeah. tell me how to run my business. Yeah. You know, either invest and step aside and then let me do what I do or, you know, go open your own.
2: It's like, why would you even invest in a person if you weren't going to let them run it? Like, here, I'm investing in you because you clearly know what you're doing. And now that you are, I'm not going to let you be in charge. It makes good
1: sense. Good point. Yeah. There are people where they think by investing and they, you know, they romanticize investing in something where they're going to tell them, you know, they all of a sudden are the brewer. They all of a sudden are going to, you know, I own this brewery, you know, because they provided the money and all this. Ah. That's, that's a bad thing. That's something to avoid. As far as business plans go, there's business plan software out there. Um, Palo Alto software has a, uh, a good like business plan pro. It's probably like $99. bucks. it has got templates from all sorts of other businesses. And it's all divided into sections. And so you go. Well, this business is closest to mine. I'll pick this one. And then you go in and you edit the words that are said there, and you type your own. You get an idea, and pretty soon it's your own thing. And it's done section by section. You can save it, go back to it. It's a really good, uh, really good way to go. They, the they also have a marketing thing. What's the name of the company again? I think mean, it's like Palo Alto Software or something like that. Okay. Business Plan Pro, like ninety nine bucks. It's it's. Hmm. Pretty popular, and it formats it for you. It'll spit out a PDF. Uh, really, the way to go on, on that sort of thing, and it really you know ticks all the boxes if somebody's looking for. Uh, that's what we used. I think it's it's real easy.
2: You know, we have a, a general manager here at the uh, tap room, uh, uh, Kevin, and you know we hired the guy because he, the same reason that your Adobe coworker wanted to give you money for the brewery, which is you knew you knew what you were doing. And we knew Kevin knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to then be overriding his decisions, it's like inconceivable. Right. We defer to him because that's the whole, that's the whole reason we have him here in the first place. I was... I,
1: do we have time for this? <laughs> Not really. Of course we do. <laughs> Not really, but... S- self-imposed time restraints right. here. Um, I was telling my wife this morning, I said, you know, the reason why uh, the American military did so well in World War II... And why, uh, you know, they one of the, the big things, you know, this is the American industrial complex and getting the machinery going, things like that. But the, uh, you know, the good, you know, food and healthy, you know, that was part of it. But the one of the biggest parts of succeeding in World War II against the Germans was the American military, they delegated out. You were – they had the attitude that, you know, in the field, you make field decisions. You've been trained – how to handle decisions, you understand you know what the objective is. Now go ahead and execute that. If you need to modify your behavior at any time in the field, you do that. You go ahead and you know, you don't have to check with anybody. Whereas in the German military, everything had to be they had to check to the higher ups. They had to defer to the general. If you're constantly deferring to the general, you're not getting anything done. And by the time you get an answer back from somebody who isn't there, somebody who doesn't know what's going on, you're screwed. You're you're done for because the other team has come and got you. Too late. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the, the American strategy was, okay, look, you guys, you know what we need to do. You've been trained. Sometimes you're going to have to zig rather than zag. So go for it. And that's a successful strategy. So you need to hire people that are smart, that are capable, that have done it, that know what's going on. And... When everyone else is zigging, they're like, I've I got to go the other way. And they do, and they're the only ones that, that's successful. That they, they win because of that. You know, They've got the freedom to make that decision. Hey, if the results aren't right, you fire the guy. Kevin, you're out of here. <laughs> uh, you know, but, but chances are, if you give a smart person you know, some autonomy, some, some chance to, to you know, execute... They will, and they'll do well. Everybody wants to be successful. You know, they're the, the only employees that don't want to be successful are the ones that are miserable, and they'll take you down. The ones that are set to be
2: free and achieve and be rewarded, they'll do it every time. Yeah, I've just surrounded myself with those type of people and rocket ship to the moon. Oh, look at me. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm around you. John? Yeah, yeah. we are. Yeah, exactly. We're, we are your mm. rocket ship to the moon.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. Break time? Yeah, let's take a break. We'll do more questions right after this.
0: Tonight is the night we bring the creature to life, Doctor Blitvringstein. Yes, J.P. Gore, everything is perfect for my next fermented
1: creation. My
0: daughter, the
1: someone is too
3: far away, we'll never have enough power to isomerize the creature's alphas.
0: <laughs> yes, J.P. Gore, we will, for I have in my possession the Tower of Power. <laughs>
1: pop
0: to enjoy a don't be silly jp sure. we have beer to brew when i order a beer i want my server to know more about it than i do i want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too i want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style i want a cicerone Hey, dude, you know what beer this is? Oh, uh, no, all the labels are falling off. Yeah, or the ink is run. Well, if it's the pale ale, you're good. But stay away from the quote-unquote Belgian. Oh, man, this guy needs to get some Grog Tags. Grog Tags are reusable, right-on, wipe-off, commercial-grade bottle labels for your brew. The guys at Grog Tag are home brewers. They wanted great-looking, sturdy labels for your bottles, buckets, carboys, kegs, and growlers. They also wanted a label that not only looks good, but can be easily removed and reapplied during bottling Without that nasty glue residue being left behind. No residue, water resistant, and ice chest approved. Grog tags stay on in water or an ice chest and they stay legible. Visit grogtag.com to customize your label or coaster from dozens of different templates for free and see how awesome your bottles can look. Oh, uh, it's that pseudo-Belgian. Yeah, we're getting him some grog tags, dude. Grogtag. At least your beer will look good. Grogtag.com. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is brew strong.
1: All right, we're back. We're talking about uh, going pro Q&A. And tell you, or, you know, at the HA conference, they're going to have some uh, going pro panels, I think. All right. Or, or be good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, you know the AHA in general is doing just a fantastic job with with the uh, membership dollars. Yep. If you sign up to be a member, you're going to get uh, the Zymergy magazine, which is fantastic. You you write oh, for yeah. it. I've written for yeah. it on occasion. Yeah. Um, you're going to get the the, the uh, pub discount program. You get the member members only session at JBF. You get uh, uh, you get to you know get a discount at the uh, homebrewers conference. Right. Uh, and most important of all, they're kind of looking out for home brewing in the in the US. They're they're paying right. attention to what the laws and and people that are trying to change things. And you know, there's uh, you know, bizarre as it may seem, there are people who make their money off of alcohol. They look at home brewers and like ah, we should cut this off. You know, yeah. they're, they're getting it for free. And so they don't realize that you guys buy more beer than you, you make. Right. And so, uh, yeah, it's just crazy. It, but the AHA is looking out for that. You can sign up for an AHA membership by going to the Brew Network and, uh, you know, clicking on that AHA logo. And when you do, a small slice of it goes back to the Brewing Network. The rest goes to the AHA. You get a great membership with a lot of benefits. Win, win, win. Uh, check it out. Check it out today. AHA uh, membership, American Homebrewers Association.org. Yes, it I'm is. guessing.
2: Yep.
3: Very good organization. Absolutely. Both, both Jamil and I are life members.
2: All right. Here's a question from uh, Adam Drager. He says uh, Adam from the Yak and Yeti Brew Pub here. Ah. Uh, I just listened and to the, guys? Uh, d- the uh, distribution proganza episode. There's no mention of renting kegs. I know MicroStar is Mm -hmm. big here in Colorado, and they say you need a minimum of 200 kegs a month to use their service. So with the 5% losses and the high capital price of kegs, what is an ideal break point in sales to go uh, to using a service like this? From memory, I think it's like $3.50 per keg per month or something.
1: No, 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 no. All right. So, (laughs) oh, my God. Uh, So, MicroStar, you're talking more like when you use a keg. So, if Yak and Yeti was to do MicroStar, yeah, you need 200 kegs a month. They won't talk to you if you're smaller than, they're just like, no, no, no. They they, they won't even like answer questions. They don't want to talk to you on the phone. They don't want to answer email. They don't want to give you any
2: potential information. They're like, contact us when you're big. Wow. Uh, yeah, they got an attitude. Um, well, it makes, it, it makes no sense for them to, it's like they're spending more resources focusing. So their pricing tends to be things like if you
1: use a keg in your own tasting room, that's eh, like six, seven bucks to use it, not leaving the building. They're going to charge, you need to report to them and they're going to charge you six to seven bucks to use a keg in your own t- tasting room. If you send it outside in your local area, you're in the, you know, thirteen to fifteen dollar range. Hmm. If you send it further abroad, like, you know, a couple of states away, things like that, then you're yeah. in the, you know, fifteen to twenty five dollar range per use. Every time you fill it. Wow. What they send you is a dirty keg from God knows where. Somebody could have made a sour in it. Somebody could have put dry hops in it and have a sack still sitting in there. Who knows? They don't. It's just whatever crap. It's covered in stickers. It's, it's a mess. There's no branding for you on it. They don't clean them for you? No. They don't even oh. come close. Oh. The other thing was he was talking about loss. Okay. So if a keg is stolen, it's your problem. You need to replace that keg for them. They don't take any risk whatsoever. Hmm. The, and I'm like, okay, so how do you track it? They don't. What they do is your distributor, What they, so they go to the distributors and they pick up like truckloads of kegs from half a dozen breweries. What they rely on is the distributor saying, well, this was a keg from X brewery. This is a keg from Y brewery. This is a keg from Z brewery. They don't check it. They don't know. So if your distributor is worried about taking care of Brewery X, mm-hmm. yes, these are all Brewery X kegs. Uh, oh, Brewery Y was short a few. You know, Brewery Z, uh, whatever. And Brewery Z and, you know, Y, they get screwed. They have to replace those kegs. Wow. They are short. It's all based on what the distributor says was returned. Wow. Wow. There's no actual tracking, hmm. so if somebody takes some kegs, you can. I've, I've heard from industry people they'll just go and take some kegs and return those and say, oh, yeah, here's the missing ones." Hmm. There's no tracking. They don't. You know, you're responsible for any damage. You're responsible for any missing kegs. You're responsible to clean them. It's essentially. I, I, you know, they charge you a lot to lease you the Keg and then pick them up from the distributors. Yeah, a huge amount.
3: But is it still cheaper than buying them and maintaining them yourself? Or
1: no? Maybe it was one day, but I don't think it is now. Uh, you know, your you know money rates are pretty low right now. You're paying an exorbitant amount now. You can actually buy. Uh, one-way kegs. Now, not the key oh, yeah. kegs. Key right. kegs are crap. They have holes in them. They leak. They. Th- those are some of the worst things I've ever seen. Um, there are other ones. They're pub kegs. There's pet tainers. It's like a giant soda bottle, but it's built right. like a keg. It's got a spear to the bottom. It uses the same key, D, D coupler valve, so you don't need different couplers or anything. right? So they work the same way as a regular steel keg. They're one-way, and they're cheaper than Microstar. Hmm. So okay. you send the one-way keg. You don't have to worry about getting it back, and it's less expensive than Microstar. You don't have to clean them. They come right. sterile. Right. With Microstar, or with any steel keg, I spend close to a dollar to clean a keg. I don't have that dollar cost, and then you've got these one-way kegs. You can actually ship more of these one-way kegs on a pallet right, than they don't you can the much. steel ones. Right. So it's cheaper to ship. It's a third less cost to send the kegs out. Uh, the cost less than the one-way Microstar, and you don't have to clean them. So you save you save a dollar there. Hmm. So that's that's a better way to go, if you ask me. Um, and Microstar won't deal with it. You know, yak and yitty. Unless they're they're cranking out you know five thousand barrels, they don't want to talk to them. So it's you know a total waste of time. Interesting. Uh there are Keg leasing companies. You know, keg leasing companies, they will charge you like a dollar a day for a six barrel. They'll charge you maybe like three dollars a day for a uh not a dollar a day. No, it's like a dollar a month for the six barrel, three dollars a month for the for the half barrel, I believe. And again, you know, if you can get a loan it's cheaper to buy your own kegs. It's essentially, they don't provide you any recovery service. They don't provide you anything. They go, oh, well, you know, if, they're, if they fail, we'll fix them for you for free. Huh. Well, not if it was the fault of, you know, the distributor or handling or anything like that. So... They end up, uh, you know, you end up paying, and then if any of them go missing, it's your responsibility. Right. You still have to clean them. You still have to recover them yourself. If any go missing, you've lost out. And the amount they charge you is about triple of what you would pay for a keg if you just bought it yourself. So you got to figure the amount of the interest that you would pay on this. You can get a loan today pretty cheap. I mean, interest rates are rock bottom. So it's if you can get a loan, get a loan. Buy your kegs in bulk and do it yourself. You're going to save the, the the way that these people are making money is by buying the kegs and then turning them over to you. And you know and they're you they're charging you more interest than the interest they're paying. I see. That's how it's done. Yeah. If you can't get a loan, then it's great. If you can get a loan, do it yourself. So okay. I, I don't begrudge these people making their money, but um, you know, it's it's not for everybody.
2: Next question is from uh, Bobby Atkinson, and uh, he said that I understand cleaning and sanitizing, and uh, I understand cleaning and sanitizing in the homebrew world. He's wondering how it differs in the professional world. Um, he said, as an example, could you go through a typical day at Heretic and talk about how you clean your fermenters, tanks, kegs, etc., and other transfer lines? Particularly, he's interested in uh, cleaning and sanitize procedures between multiple batches. Does everything need to be disassembled and cleaned between multiple batches? You
1: know, if you're all hooked up and you're know, pumping into the same tank, you don't have to disconnect anything. I mean, you know, it's it's clean. It's clean. That that loop is clean. Um, the the biggest thing in you know commercial versus homebrew is uh, you know you got to look for and in homebrew, look for this, we were talking to Brew Tattoo about you know right. one issue he came across was due to a dead leg. So like you'll have a T and you come in up from the side, and you know the other part of the T is is not active. It's not flowing, you know, continuously through it. It'll pool up material and uh, end up being, you know, a source of infection or a source of problems. So you, you need to make sure everything, there's no dead legs. There's no, um, that uh, everything that you're connecting up is, you know, can be cleaned in a sanitary way. Uh, you know, what we use as a heretic is heat because it's, you know, that, kills you know even into the crevices so we heat everything up um you know other than that you know it's it's very similar to you know
3: homebrew homebrew
1: Mm -hmm. i mean how do you how do you clean any sort of you know confluence of piping and things like that in, in your homebrew setup john
3: well i use uh silicon hoses so i can i can see you know uh, mm-hmm. looking through the translucency whether they're you know dirty or not or not mm-hmm. um well, silicon you, you can heat that up and yeah boil it and exactly i mean yeah. i run boiling boiling liquid through it um i'll uh for cleaning them just in general after the brew session i'll throw them in a bucket of water add some sanitizer or pbw and mm-hmm. you know and do a pbw chemi-
1: take that protein
3: la- layer right. off of that and, yeah. and then hang them dry um run a hot cycle through with water and so on. Mm-hmm. It those are pretty easy to maintain. It's um a few years ago I had put together a hard uh plumb system which was much more difficult to to uh take apart and clean. Mm-hmm. And uh, you couldn't see inside cuz it was all copper and so on. Right. Stainless. Yeah, and then then you kind of have to rely on your CIP techniques where mm-hmm. you're running you're pumping a cleaning solution through. Right. And you know hoping planning that this is going mm-hmm. to be clean and mm-hmm. and then uh, you know get the get the protein out get the gunk out
1: right. so you don't have any biological spots well you know the big part of you know any hard piping system is you know when it's done commercially uh relies on you know flawless sanitary welds they actually you know will will pass cameras through it they'll x-ray it all this stuff because, well, they're smooth. They won't yeah, catch right. trap material. And, uh, you know, when you're doing a piping system in homebrew and you're you're using, you know, threaded fittings, you don't have that. Right. It's it's a it's a bacteria trap. It's a protein trap. Um, you know, so when you're doing something like that, you know, I'd be careful of that. Also, uh, you know, again, it, the nice thing about, you know, metal piping, things like that, is you could, you could pump – Boiling, you know, liquids through there. Get that, you know, get that up to a temperature where, you know, you keep it at, uh, you know, two hundred degrees for, you know, a second. It's it's pasteurized. Right. like one eighty for a second, it's pasteurized. Um, but you know, you do that for a few minutes. You 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 know, get yourself one of those cheap laser thermometers. Check the outside. If the outside is two hundred degrees. And you got it for a minute. You're probably good. The, in- yeah. all the entire interior of that should be clean or right. sanitary, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily clean, but sanitary. So
3: yeah. Uh, when you're homebrewing, I mean, you, you've got thread as you say. You've got threaded fittings. You've got barb fittings. Mm-hmm. Um, all those, or ne- yeah, you need to take those apart after every every session. Yep. Clean them, dry them, let them sit dry mm-hmm. until the next time you use them. I mean, or. I've got you know I've got a, a rim system pump system. Uh, I clean it and then I hook I I hook those fittings back up because mm-hmm. that keeps dust out of the system. Right there you so. go. All
1: right, let's take one more uh, short break and uh, we'll be back with more of your questions. going pro after this.
0: Enter to win. Nico, hey, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and think to the next meeting. The kids. Come on,
1: let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. So I'm the professional. <clears throat>
0: You can find our world famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew for Your Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska, in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for Twenty First Amendment in cans,
3: because everyone likes it in the can.
0: Tasty crack cans. Tasty crack can. A few things happened 30 years ago. FNET migrated to TCPIP and the internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tons. HopTech Tech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to to navigate or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch jade and the gadget guy roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you so visit the site or visit the store in dublin california and support those that support you get your brewing on at hoptech.com Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong.
1: All right, we're back. Uh, what did we talk about during the break? I don't know. Yeah, Scott. We were just talking about Scott. Scott and his emotional problems? Yeah.
2: I went to take a leap. What were you guys saying? <laughs> Oh, you remember that show, Frazier? That's what he said. (laughs) (laughs) All right, more uh, going pro questions. This is uh, Ian McDavid, and uh, he says he's uh, learned a lot from the show and your books, and he's wondering if you can offer some advice uh, that I don't think I heard in the Progasm series. I'm a recent college grad Mm -hmm. uh, with a degree in the liberal arts. Mm -hmm. Good luck with that. And I'm uh, considering (laughs) returning to school in a year or so for a second degree in fermentation science at CSU's new program. In the meantime, I would like to gain industry experience so I can make an informed decision etc. The question is, what advice can you give someone who wants to find work in a brewery? Um, I'm not afraid of hard work and repetitive work, and I don't mind cleaning and janitorial jobs. I'd like to gain seller packaging and production experience so that uh, if and when I decide uh, to return to school, I already have some professional brewing experience under my belt. What's the best way to approach breweries when looking for low-level work like this?
1: Alright, so we did a whole show about yeah. uh, a program, show about uh, you know trying to find a job in a brewery and uh, you know all these people who come to you and you're like, well, y'all work for free. And then you find out they don't want to work for free. They don't. Well, they say they work for free, but they won't work for minimum wage, which is just bizarre to me because, you know, at least in California, you got to pay people. You can't just have people work for free. It's illegal. Um, You know, I'd I'd say that the, the best thing is to go in and not be like really freaky, weird. You go and seem normal Go in clean, go in, and you know, with some sort of semblance that you would be working on a regular basis, you mm-hmm. would show up on time. You have no problem with setting a schedule because the big problem is people are like, Oh, I'm gonna come me out. Oh, I, I, oh, I could work all sorts of hours, and then it's like, Well, all right, so we'll schedule you for like every Monday. Oh, no, I can't really do that. Maybe yeah. I could come in some Mondays. You know, I might have some hours free on Thursday.
3: Oh, I can't do the weekend. I could,
1: yeah. You know, it's like, well, you know, we don't have time to dick around with somebody willy nilly showing up when they want to. Right. If you come in and go like, if you went, to, if you came to my brewery and said, "Look, I'm a responsible person. Look, I, you know, I hold down a job. I'm, you know, a college graduate. I, uh, you know." I'm clean i you know I'm smart I'm going to uh, you know work very hard yes i'll work for minimum wage mm-hmm. uh you know if you think you can get away legally with paying me less than that I'm fine with that but uh, you know I can be here you know Monday morning at you know what time do you open 6 a.m okay I'll be here 6 a.m till you know 3 p.m or eight to five or whatever it is you tell me what hours you know I can be here every Monday -hmm. Until the end of time, I will be here, you know, or Mondays and Tuesdays, or whatever it would be. And that's something you could count on as a brewery because you can't have somebody show up one day and then decide they don't want to do it the next day. Yeah. That's why it's important to pay somebody Mm -hmm. because then, and the reason why a lot of these people who say, oh, I'll work for free, turn down money is because they don't want to be locked into showing up on a regular basis. They don't want to be responsible for anything they it, to them it's a game yeah. if it's a game to you you are the wrong person for the brewing industry yeah. it's not fun it's not drinking it's not all that b s how about this Jamil? if
3: you if you if you want to work in a brewery mm-hmm. a be a home brewer know what fermentation is all about having a basic mm-hmm. understanding of what mm-hmm. the brewing process requires mm-hmm B, uh, have work experience. You know, uh, have well, real. Well, you are trying
1: to get the work. Oh, you're talking about just a job where yeah. you, you you showed. Have, yeah. I I showed up at McDonald's every day. I, I worked the morning shift, six a.m. You know, every day for X amount of time. Yeah. You know, I never failed to show up. Okay, that's that valuable. Mean, that yeah. means something. That's valuable info. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely exactly on a resume, right?
3: that's right yeah versus M- mcdonald's well, maybe the lowest common denominator but you know right. any- that's
2: a tough job yeah, yeah. That, that's an argument in their favor because right. it's the lowest common denominator and they still showed up at six every day right that's right it's a crappy job i'm still doing it because i said i was going to be there mm-hmm. i love that
1: that's mm-hmm. what i want to hear yeah i want to hear dedication i want to hear your passion about whatever yeah people are passionate about all sorts of stuff 15 minutes later after they've blown their load they're not passionate anymore Right? Yeah. I need somebody who's going to grind it out every day for whatever reason.
2: Well, what about his uh, his, uh, liberal arts degree in uh, Latin philosophy? That's really valuable (laughs) on a resume, too, isn't it? (laughs) Well,
1: no. It's valuable because he has a degree. It's the same sort of thing. He stuck it out. He finished it. All the time, the, the people who go halfway through school and don't complete their degree... They don't have the internal fortitude, unless they got a reason why they did it. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that's like, eh, I want to do something else. Well, those are the same people that are going to fart out on you when, uh, you know, when it's cleaning kegs for the millionth yeah. day in a row. Yeah, That's what brewing is. Uh, I need somebody that'll stick up. it out. I was thinking it'd be gone, I was going to be, right. you know. I no, need people that'll work. stick it out. It's work, yeah. it's hard work, and people that can do hard work. I actually had a guy, he, he, he worked like uh, uh, the California Conservation Corps. Mm. That's hard work. Yeah. Right? Did that for like a couple of years. That's, that's brutal hard work. Guy grew up on a farm. I'm like, hey, eh, here's a hard worker. Somebody who can physically do it. And I'm like, all right, you know, the way we start everybody is minimum wage. And he's like, okay. I said, you know, don't even apply for the job if you won't take minimum wage. Because this is your education, you are paying for your education by taking minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Once yep. we evaluate you and you're good, we'll pay you more. But not until then. If you want to get paid more to start, go to UC Davis, get yourself a you know a brewing science degree, right, and then come see me, and I'll pay you like a dollar more than minimum
2: wage, or Siebel Institute, Don't right, or Siebel Institute, Siebel. right, right,
1: you know something like that, and. Uh, then, uh, you know, uh, the guy was like, uh, okay, great, I'll take the job. And he's like, you know, uh, afterwards, like, maybe you could give me like a couple bucks more an hour. I said, I told you not to ask for more than minimum wage. You
2: don't seem to understand how this all works. Well, why is it um, even worth asking you that? Right. When he, A, specifically you said not to, but B, right. what's he making another $46 a week? I mean, right. what, what is the Exactly. Point? Either the job is valuable to you or it's not. If you don't
1: if you cannot exhibit that it's valuable to you to have that job, don't expect the employer to think you are a good fit for that job. It's a tough job, it doesn't pay well, especially to start. You need to prove to them. There's I get people endlessly asking me to work for us. I'm sorry. I got my pick of people. So show me why it is I should hire you. Mm-hmm. I'm sentimental about homebrewers, but, I, you know, I got a business to run. I don't have time to dick around with people that are, you know, flirting around with the romance of being a brewer. Go away. Homebrew. And don't take that if as... If you love brewing, you know, homebrew. If you, if you are fine with a brutal job, <laughs> pro-brewer.
2: And don't take that as uh, Jamil being high and mighty. It's those are the facts, Jack.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I'm. I I say that as like every brewery, every brewery has people begging them to let them work for free. Mm. Yep, I've heard the story. It's not us. It's yeah. everybody. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I'm just trying to give people the you know the brutal truth so they have a, a vision of of what it's going to take and and what's going to get you in that door and succeed at that job. If I'm not brutal now, you're not going to make it. If I'm brutal now and you can suck that up and move forward, you got a shot. So if what I've said hasn't scared you off and you're willing to do that, move forward. You have a shot. If you think that I'm too mean or don't understand or have my head a mass, you really shouldn't. It's not your thing.
2: What about the guy that shows up uh with just stellar homebrew? Mm-hmm. Stellar. Like knocks your socks off. Does that how much does that factor in? Don't care. Doesn't makes no difference. Right. No, there you go. Cause, I know. think that'd be counterintuitive for most people listening.
1: Right. Our, so what are we gonna like wheel their homebrew system in and they're gonna like you brew great beer five gallons at a time? Well,
2: they're probably their, their their fantasy is that they would then come and have creative input, and if I can do this on a home scale, just imagine <laughs> what I could do with your brewer's beer on a commercial scale. Yeah, I can, that's what's I can going see on thinking head, that. Right? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah.
3: That,
1: uh... No.
2: <laughs> okay, so no, take work. your home brew and uh, park it up left. <laughs> hey,
1: bring it in, and we'll all drink it, and we'll go, damn, that's good. Mm. Okay. Back So... To <laughs> But the job entails is scrubbing floors, and, you know, we just kind of go that way. Yep.
2: Last couple after the break? Yep. take one
1: more break, and we'll be back with more questions right after this.
0: And now, Northern Brewer presents What If Homebrewers Ruled the World? Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll follow me, I will lead you into the gallery area. Now the first piece up for sale today is a Jameel Chef original, a bottle of nineteen
1: ninety-seven vintage evil twin. A bidding for this one-of-a-kind piece will start at 7,000 pounds. And if you'll continue to follow
0: me, ladies and gentlemen, I can show you a rather abstract piece from Bay Area brewer Justin Crossley. It's a German Doppelbach entitled
1: Justin's Giant Bach. The brewer's notes here indicate that this beer had excellent amounts it. food. That's just a crazy
0: dream. Or is it? With Northern Brewer, a thirsty nation can craft its own Brewer, the home of superior customer service and the finest selection of home-brewing goods for the future.
1: Hi, I'm Jamel Zaneshev, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine.
3: Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when
0: I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Chef. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read your way to better homebrew. Hey, my Brewing brothers
1: and sisters, this is Jamel Zanesha, and I love a bold, hoppy beer, one that spits resin in your face and makes you cry, Uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea.
0: Cheers. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong.
1: All right, we're back. I'll tell you, if you like this show, you're gonna like a lot of the other shows on the Brewer Network. Ah, like they're the, very, very similarly lacking in in information and uh, quality. <laughs> uh, like the oh uh, no, they're very similarly f- f- abundant with information and and quality. Was that what I was supposed to say?
2: I, yeah, that is what you said, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
1: like the session uh, and the power, yeah. the Sour Hour and Sour. I, I'll tell you. Brewing with Style. Brewing with Style. There's another great That's a great quality one. show. Yep. Tasty McDowell. John say I have my fun. I'm telling you. That's a good one. Alrighty. We cover all sorts of beer styles, commercial examples, and uh, you know, rate them and, and explain why an example is a good example or not. That's, that's very useful info. Provide a recipe all that stuff. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a lot of times you taste these beers and you just don't know. It's like, well, is this good? Is it not? You know, yeah. this, this is this what Eng- it's supposed to taste like? Yeah. English ale? It's stale? Oh, yeah, it's the English malt character. No, we debunk all that stuff. Cool. Useful show. All
2: right. Uh, Last all right. questions. Yes, sir. Uh, here's one from uh, John O. Uh, he said, oh. uh, hey, guys, I recently discovered the BN. Been going through everything. Good stuff. Especially love the shows about going pro. Like many, I'm sure I'm starting to think more and more seriously about starting a nano. Uh, the recent device shows did a great job making the nano seem like an idea um, that had a shot. My only experience uh, being that of a home brewer, I'm unclear on how a lot of elements of the uh, brewing process scale up. So I'm wondering if you could talk a bit about where the process differs so someone thinking about starting a professional brewery in the two to seven barrel range could prepare. So, for example, how is yeast treated on that scale? One has a hard time imagining uh, people sprinkling in a few dozen yeast packs, if you know what I mean. But I really have no idea uh, how is it bought, treated, harvested on that scale.
1: Right. So yeast, especially if you are not reharvesting yeast from your homebrew and repitching yeast from your homebrew, you're going to have troubles with uh, pro brew because the the pitch of yeast, like the pitch of yeast I buy to start up, Mm -hmm. cost me fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars. I can't be throwing that out every batch. Our beer would cost a ridiculous amount. So, right. you have to reuse the yeast multiple times. That's why a brewery has a, you know, yeast a yeast drink. that they use on a, you know, constantly and that's what their their thing is. Yeah, so if you're not, you know, into that, you're going to you're going to run into troubles. You know, the other thing about the difference, you know, between home brewing and, you know, brewing on a larger scale, it's the same damn thing. It's you know, uh, more use of pumps than people are used to. Right. You're using more aggressive chemicals to clean. That's about it. Mm-hmm. It's the same. You know, how good was your homebrew? Most people's homebrew not good enough to to make that leap. Um. You know, your your sanitation has to be flawless. Your cleaning needs to be flawless. Your every little step needs to be you know in that flawless range. Right. If you're blowing it out in a little tasting room and you're working nano size, you do whatever. But, I mean, you really got to get to that that state. So all that's the same. It's, it's really not that big a leap to go from home brewing to pro-brewing. The big leap is in running a business. If you have not run a business before, you right. are going to struggle running a brewery because that business thing's on there. If all it was was brewing larger amounts of beer... I'm telling you, most home brewers could figure that out. Uh, when it comes to running the business, all yeah. the financial aspects, the supply and demand, and regular—that's where it starts to be challenging. So that's the thing to focus on.
2: All right. Well, he. Yeah, I mean, he's asking about uh, other aspects of uh, brewing on a large scale, but the, the brewing is almost like kind of secondary, is what I'm hearing.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, scaling up a recipe, all right, so multiply, well, Yeah, you know, that's and, then, <laughs> and tweak a little bit. I mean, yeah. it's because it's not a strict, right. straight scale I, up. That's but. not the most important thing. If your recipe's, a li- you know, 1% off on, you know, this mold, that, even on a roast mold, you're 1% off, big deal. Uh, it's not really going to affect things. Is it fermented well? Is all, you know, is everything sanitary? Is yeah. it, you it's know, it clean, clean, uncontaminated? Yeah. Is it carbonated right? That's the, the brewing process. Now, have you set the right price? Did you post pricing? Did you you know you know? Do you have the supply of all the materials to keep producing that? Have you you know done all your regulations? Have you you know? There's just so many things uh, involved that have nothing to do with brewing.
2: So I'll pose the final question of this show: If you could go back to the beginning when you were planning Heretic, knowing what you know now, would you do anything different?
1: yeah I, I wouldn't have done the uh you know sharing a brewery with another brewery no contract no we didn't contract but we we alternated oh, oh, uh, right. ownership right. of a building and that just slowed us down so what would um, you have done? just waited longer uh yeah either either I would have uh you know just found a way to come up with the money um and, uh, you know, or gotten a loan or whatever and just opened it up from the start. We'd be two, three times forward of where we are now just because of that. Really? That really slowed That's us That's huge. Yeah. It really, uh, you yeah, know, we weren't able to, we, in six months, we ran out of capacity. And so we spent another year and a half unable to produce the beer that everybody was asking for. Hmm. So, you know, a year and a half later, then we could start producing the beer. And ever since then, it's like we tripled yeah, in a year. Yeah, yeah. Before we were stuck; we t- couldn't produce. It. And the problem was we couldn't produce enough to be financially viable. Uh-huh. you know you're not you. It's a volume game. You have to produce enough to you know. It's like like a hop grenade. Yeah, it's great you're selling beer. You got to sell enough, right? It's not. You got ten happy customers. You need a thousand happy customers. Yeah. Every five hundred isn't isn't enough. You know, you need to get to a point where you've got, you know, plenty of happy customers. And that's where all of a sudden you're actually profitable, you're making money. You know, all that work up to that point, that's just to get to that point. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, when Justin and I first got into this, we were you know, into the planning, we were like, well, how can we plan this like we plan our lives, which is o- keep our overhead low. Keep your overhead low has been like our number, like our guiding principle for our adult lives. Uh, it's,
1: it's like... Plan your adult life. I, I had a whole different vision of how you planned your adult life.
2: I don't know if I've started it yet, <laughs> right. but that's theoretically my plan. But I, I don't know if they, it's even possible. Is it possible to run a business with low overhead? Like, I, I don't know how you do it. Running a business is unbelievably expensive. Right. Well, but
1: that's the thing. You need to you need to see where to spend you need to understand you know you know everything is about you know cash flow and capital and it's about all right so i've got a limited amount of resource where do i apply that resource where you know what's going to return me the most on my dollar what's fundamentally has to happen in order to support other aspects of the business you have to kind of be a swami and kind of see you know this this fuzzy vision in front of you and understand what it's going to take to get there. And you need to be able to, uh, you know, execute on that plan. Because if you can't, you're, you're screwed. There's a there's a common, you know, business school story. And it goes with, you know, the fat pigs and skinny pigs. I've told you this before, right? I thought you were just calling me names. Oh, yeah. I, I do, <laughs> generally. Um, so a farmer has, you know... His feed that he he uses throughout the year, you know, he, he pays for the same amount of feed. That's what he can afford. And every year he gets in a bunch of piglets. And he grows, he fattens them up on his feed, and then he sells them off at market. And with that money, he buys more feed, feeds his family, pays for the, the lease on the property, does it all over again. So he gets in a crop of uh, piglets, and he starts feeding them all. He puts equal amount of feed in, in all of them. They're all the same size. Uh-huh. Well, you know, a little bit down the line, he starts noticing. He's like, wow, you know, these pigs are growing really fast. These pigs aren't quite growing uh, as fast as those. And he decides, well, you know what? I'll tell you what. I'll separate out the fat ones and the skinny ones. He says, I'll, I'll just give more feed to the skinny ones. They'll catch up. I'll just give them more. So he takes his, his feed and gives more to the skinny ones and a little bit less to the fat ones, you know, and uh, – the fat ones aren't quite growing as fast. The skinny ones still aren't growing. So he continues to feed those skinny ones the bulk of his feed uh-huh. and neglects the, the fat ones. The ones that were growing really rapidly now aren't growing as fast as they were before. And the skinny ones, Are. it's still not really having much of a difference. They're growing, but not not quite as at the clip that the fat ones were. Mm-hmm. You know, just genetically, the fat ones were growing, were going to grow faster and the skinny ones weren't. And what he's done is, is really screwed himself. What he should have done is kept feeding those fat pigs. Keep pouring. You know, those are the ones that are growing. Take care of those. You know, those are your ones that are going to get the most at market. And the skinny ones are, for whatever reason, it's just not a good product. It's not a good beer. Sorry, it's not going to sell. Dump it. You know, m- you know, focus on the ones that are selling a whole bunch. Think, that's the same, yeah, you know, yeah. same thing in any kind of business. You have to look at, you know, where you're putting your, your resources. Your limit every business has limited best return resources. On
3: investment. Exactly.
1: And, you know, sometimes something that's wildly successful, you don't stop be investing in that and go to the thing that th- your your pet project that wasn't successful and keep pouring money into that. You gotta admit when something wasn't right, drop that keep going on the ones that are successful and that's you know one of the business things that people just don't understand they don't understand that you know brewing beer is a business and i know that's a dirty word and you're not supposed to use the word manufacturer you're not supposed to use the word like produce or product or anything like that or even you know brands but that's what it is you know it's like uh you know you're you're successful at starbucks why because, you know, you have this product that you manufacture and you, you replicate it, you know, successfully. That's that's how it's done. That's how business is done. Brewing beer, making good coffee, that's all just, you know, that's just background. Yeah. That's, you know, that's the, the basis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Did that answer your final question? Yeah. Did that make you feel good or bad? Um, I see you rubbing your nipples, so I'm thinking...
2: You enjoyed that. I didn't one. even know I was doing it.
1: Oh yeah. I see you
2: there. You're tweaking yourself. <laughs> so then I guess I guess good. <laughs> and there you go. That's the answer I was looking for. Or maybe I'm just trying to like comfort myself. I don't really know. I think you're lactating. You are, you have gone up a cup size. <laughs> no. Are you pregnant? It's never stops. It never stops. Never stops. Well, there you go. I'm in the beer business. <laughs> yeah, right, right.
1: <laughs> you say <saved> that <it. laughs> Don't they say the hops? like Is the hops or alcohol that makes you lactate? I think it's hops. Yeah. Right. So there you go. Less hoppy beer for you. That's my. my <laughs> I don't even drink hoppy. Beer. You're, you're wetting through your, your rare barrel t shirt right Maybe there. I should
2: just uh, wear like a sports bra. Take one of my girlfriends. <laughs> Support. <laughs>
1: Maybe small for you.
2: Can we please get the hell out of here for God's <laughs> sake? <laughs>
1: Well, I'll tell you, you know, if you enjoy this fine repartee, I would suggest uh, uh, letting uh, Blickman Engineering know that uh, you enjoy the show and they pay for it so you don't have to. You appreciate uh, what they you know. yeah. do, Yeah. Check them out, uh, BlickmanEngineering.com. Check out all our other fine sponsors. If you get a chance, uh, you know, go by the slash uh, store. They get all sorts of hoodies, glassware, hats, books, all sorts of good things. When you buy those things... All the profits go to the bottom line. Of the brewery Network can really uh, make a big difference in keeping this show on the air. Indeed. Until then, brew strong, everybody. Brew strong.